Listening to the SDSU Football Podcast, presented by the East Village Times, with your hosts Andre Hagverdian and Paul Garrison. Welcome, listeners, to the SDSU Football Podcast. I am Andre Hagverdian, and I will be joined by my co-host Paul Garrison very shortly. We are almost two weeks away from the start of the season and the opening of Snapdragon Stadium. Hopefully you all enjoyed our last episode with Adam Millar, who is the GM of Snapdragon Stadium. He told us all about the great things that the stadium will provide in terms of excellent fan experience. So if you didn't have a chance to listen to that one, I highly recommend you do before the first game on September 3rd or even before the official scrimmage if you are a season ticket member and can attend on August 20th. Um, I also recommend you check out Paul Garrison's uh, article about Snapdragon Stadium that was put out about a week or so ago um, that kind of summarized a lot of what Adam uh, told us about, but also uh, some additional uh, notes from Paul that he researched. So definitely recommend that as well. Today's episode is the culmination of our season preview series with part two of our interview with defensive coordinator Kurt Maddox. Two episodes ago, in episode 33, we brought you part one of our interview with Coach Maddox, where he talked about the defensive line and linebackers and how they were looking. This episode with part two now gets into the secondary, both the safeties and the cornerbacks. Um, It accompanies our articles that we put out on each of those groups that were published within the past week with grades. So go check that out as well. Hope you enjoyed the articles if you already did read it and hope you enjoy this interview. This has been incredible, but jumping down to the secondary, into that last level, um, we spoke at the very beginning of, of having um, too deep at every position, w- with the exception, you know, of, of McMorris, as you just said, um, how, how close in the secondary are you accomplishing that goal? Uh, I, I think it is. I think the one thing is, is joke around a little bit as their staff, if the defensive line makes a mistake, you know, five-year gain, linebackers make a mistake, maybe 10 to 12. What happens if a defensive back makes a mistake? Touchdown. Exactly. And so there's an accountability a little bit different with Coach Hoke and Kyle, Coach Kyle Hoke and Coach Demetrius Sumler, our two secondary coaches that sit here and say, hey, you got to prove it and you got to earn it in order for us to give you that confidence. And uh, a guy like Trenton and a guy like Pat, very limited times last year did they come off the field. Uh, Barfield, very limited times. And then unfortunately for Barfield, field. Uh, I think the season just got the best of him. Just again, collision sport deal, hurt his shoulder a little bit. That's what opened up the door for CJ uh, Baskerville to come in uh, towards the end of the year. And then CJ played pretty well. And it was just one of those things where Barfield was battling to try to get him some playing time back towards the end of the season. But we've made a couple adjustments and, you know, doing a different couple things. I don't, I think we're deep, but I would say to you, Paul, and I'm going to say, hey, we got to play some guys. We got to do this. And Coach Kyle Hoke and Coach Sumler are like, uh, we got our guys on the field that they feel good with at this time. Okay. So it's just creating depth. And yes, I believe in, excuse me, I believe in Devon Celestine. 
and he's worked his butt off and earned uh, to get some playing time. And he's doing a really good di- job on special teams. You know, Kyron White is also an Aztec. I know he's not listed on that right now, but if something happened to Pat McMorris, we'd move Kyron White into Aztec right now, or maybe even move New Zealand back and, and do that with the flexibility. Um, but Jatavius McGee is doing some good stuff and learning as a young player. We're trying to get as many snaps for him as you can you know, just to get him as, as much ready as we can. And then a guy like Kyron White and CJ Baskerville, you know, that's going to be some good competition. You take a guy like Isaiah McElvain. I mean, he's been a three-year, a two-year starter right now on special teams, uh, on multiple teams, just hasn't really been able to cut his teeth yet defensively. You know, there might be a couple instances where, hey, let's give him the nod, uh, you know, to a certain extent. So that's the one position I would say out of anything that we do have depth, but it maybe is more depth with special teams and and things of that nature, rather than maybe cutting their teeth uh, in as many defensive snaps uh, as it goes. And again, you never know, again, an injury here, an injury there, we might have to shuffle some things around to get the best 11 on the field. And we do have confidence in them. But again, as coaches that, you know, we're the head coach of our position as coach Brady Hoke would tell us, you know, we're going to put our best players on the field to try to play. And, you know, I trust and respect coach Sumler. I trust and respect Kyle Hoke to put their best players in position to make plays and, and go from there. Well, one of those guys is uh Sidarius Barfield, obviously with the departure of Trent Thompson, you know, he's probably moving over into that slot cover role and field warrior, at least in the spring game. That's what we saw. Absolutely. Is that how you envision it? And then also talking about, you know, moving positions, getting the best 11, is there potentially you can move back to corner if that's where he's needed most? Sure. And, 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 and- and you're right, Andre, that's sort of going to be his niche, and we feel good with that. The one thing we did this spring was we put CJ over there. Uh, we put uh, Isaiah McElvain over there. Um, you know, we tried a lot of different people. We, we, you know, we're even trying a couple corners over there, uh, you know, as far as like uh, Noah Avenger and, you know, some, you know, some younger guys like Adonis Brown, trying to find some roles for people, trying to be as multiple as we can with guys and giving them snaps. I don't see the move back to corner. I honestly don't, um, not because of uh, there's anything that they're doing wrong. I think the competition at corner with those four and then, you know, uh, you know, with what we got, I think that's going to be in itself. You know, those guys are going to be battling for playing time. And that's a good thing. Again, I, I think the one thing that, you know, people are, you know, I, I go back to, I always talk about this with my linebackers. I said, you know, one of the things that made USC, USC under Pete Carroll, besides, you know, getting some good players was the competition that they had every day in practice and the competition for playing time. And I think those are things that we're constantly trying to preach. It's not about running away from competition and getting in that portal and being scared to compete uh, and, and expecting someone to hand something out. You know, when you put that work in and you get that chance to play, it it means something. And uh, that's the one thing, again, creating the culture that coach Hoke and Adam Hall, our strength coach have, I mean, we keep talking about all the time. Hey, go back. What what happened at Fresno State game? Hey, what happened in that Utah State game? You know, we have some unfinished unfinished business that we have to take care of because we didn't play our best football in those games. And so that's what, you know, the focus is. Not about, hey, I'm not getting my snaps. It's more about trying to continue to create that competition so that our talent, um, you know, rises to the cream of the, uh, rises to the tops, so to speak. You know, we talked about Patrick McMorris, obviously, first team all-conference last year, preseason co-defensive player of the year voted today. 
when we spoke to him on the podcast about a couple couple months back, he talked about all the things he wanted to get better at, uh, playing better in man, reading and reacting run versus pass. He also threw in a nugget about maybe wanting to get involved in some more blitz packages uh, that Trent Thompson got uh, the last few years. How do you see his role evolving this year compared to last year? Uh, I, I, I agree with, with everything you're saying. And, and again, part of it, part of the uh, what makes, you know, Coach Hoke uh, and myself, you know, uh, an opportunity to stay up late at night is when you have players like Pat and Trenton uh, that you can create a couple uh, blitzes or pressures in here that, that are going to be designed for them. And so there's a couple of wrinkles that we have up our sleeves for Pat. And, you know, sometimes situational, they just don't get a chance to get called or they get pushed back to the next week or stay on the uh, cutting board floor, so to speak. It's just one of those things where I do believe that, you know, if he can, you know, improve a little bit as far as his preparation, as far as knowing formationally where they have a tendency to run, that might get him that faster step to where he needs to be. And I'm not saying he doesn't do that, but just another year of playing that gets him that much more experience. Eyes. If you go to UNLV, ask him about the UNLV game. You know, that, those are, that was a game uh, that uh, he'll self-admit that he had terrible eyes because, again, just like anything, if you're not playing your best football, you're always going to try to try to do a little bit more rather than just be the best version of you. And that happened a couple of times in that game where you sit back and like, you know, some guys made some mistakes that haven't uh, traditionally been made. But it was one of those things where you're pressing rather than just playing. And so it, it, that game in itself, he was able to cover uh, their tight end. And, you know, their tight end made some great plays. Credit to him. But if you went back and studied it, you'd sit here and say, Pat, where are your eyes supposed to be? on my man. Where are they? On the quarterback. You know, so it's just like you lose, have bad eyes in a play. You're bound to not maybe play your best football. So those are things like I know he's putting that emphasis on and all that. And then just like anything. If we sit here and say one of our best blitzers is Pat McMorris, again, we're going to do whatever we can do to put him in a position to do that. That being said, if you're going to blitz Pat McMorris, guess what one of the other linebackers has to do? They have to cover. So now you go back and sit here and say, well, what did Pat play last year or play Aztec? Well, now you put a New Zealand Williams on the field. You have that same athletic type body that can now cover the same guy that Pat did. And now you're creating a, a systematic approach to being able to do all the things you want to do. So you, you've mentioned Kyron White before, and, and Andre and I have spoken about him. He's somebody who has stood out to us as we've watched different things. Um, but but he he was the backup of the asset, got time when uh, Patrick Morris was ejected for targeting. But you but you have switched him. Yes. And you, you, uh, I, I would say he's switched on the depth chart. Yeah, right. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, that, that, that was the question, because, I mean, you'd already alluded that he would be the person who would back up there. But but just what was the thinking in, you know, you mentioned before trying to get the five best players on the field. But just what was the thinking in, in making that, you know, that, that's, that, that, that is exactly it, Paul. And I apologize for stepping on you a little bit. Uh, okay. It's just it, we're, we're, you know, C.J. Baskerville, the easiest thing to do as a human in my position is to take a breath and look around and to sort of feel good. And part of our jobs as coaches is trying to create the competition. And Kyron White is a guy that's played some college snaps. I don't think he's in a position to play our field warrior the way we want him to, but I do believe he can play boundary warrior. And he showed that. And I do believe he could play Aztec, which he's shown that. And so what, what he, where he's gotten the most snaps in his career is at Aztec, 
where he doesn't have as many snaps is boundary warrior. So now you get into a situation where you're creating competition for CJ and putting Kyron in and or moving CJ to the field warrior spot if something happens with Barfield. So you have a consistent depth and all those things from that standpoint and, and creating the best competition you can back there. So it's more of a superficial thing. Again, like I said, if something happened today to Pat, we probably keep Kyron at Aztec, probably move New Zealand back. And, and if it was something serious with Pat, with Pat, if not, then we're going to keep CJ making him play at a high level or else, you know, try Kyron in there to just, you know, get that competition. Well, and again, if we put Kyron in and Barfield needs a break, CJ has proven that he can play that field warrior spot that Trenton played and you feel comfortable with Kyron Baskerville and McMorris in that group from there. So if anything, you sit here and say, hey, we're probably four deep, five deep with Celestine, uh, with Kyron White playing both Aztec and Boundary Warrior. So, so you're kind of mentioning it. I mean, how, how close is that competition for Baskerville? You know, I would probably have to sit down and talk with Coach Kyle Hoke what he feels. Okay. I think, I think you know, CJ had had an end of the uh, season on a really high note. I think we messed. I don't want to say mess with him. That's not the right word. We moved him around probably a lot more than we probably will in fall camp, and made him play a lot of field warrior, which he did not like because it's this is a little bit different, a little bit more man covers and stuff. He likes just being a box and a rotator to the middle of the field and hitter. And we said, no, we need to expand your game and, and help you become the player that you can become. And then towards the end, he sort of liked it a little bit. So it was one of those things, just like anything, you know, the where and how we can take, you know, the guys we have on our team, continue to grow them, continue to develop them and continue to find, hey, this is what this is your one A. This is what you do best. What is your one B? What is your one C? And wh- where can you fit in? You know, taking it, you know, Cooper McDonald. Hey, we're you got a couple injuries here, there. Hey, Cooper, you're going to have to go down and play defensive end this week for us. You know, hey, Caden, Caden played defensive end uh, against Air Force because we were truly a four-man front, you know, in that game and, and so on and so forth. So it was just, you know, you know, that's a great thing about our program and the culture we have, again, established by Brady Hoke and Adam Hall. Um, sound like a broken record here. But, you know, they just do such a great job of just getting the kids to buy in and see um, it's not about them. It's about us. And it's it's about us having success and, and believing in that and really working towards that and knowing that someone's on your coattails. And if you're going to um, not have a good day or you're not going to play your best, we're going to find a way to help Aztecs still win uh, by playing somebody else, maybe. The, the, the depth chart, the post-spring depth chart didn't identify a clear starter at either of the cornerback positions with four guys kind of vying for those roles. Is that due to Avenger and Branch missing camp? Um, and then, or is that a credit to the play of Des Malone or both? Uh, it's, it's, it's everything that you said. It's a, comb- it's a combination of Branch and uh, Avenger not being able to be physically contact uh, in spring because of you know some injuries and stuff. And then I also attribute it to Des Malone coming out and saying, hey, I want to be that starter. And I think, you know, if we had to start today in that, I would probably start with Malone and Tumblin because that's how we ended spring. And then Branch and Avenger being first 1A, you know, so to speak. And, and, and the one thing you don't want to create, guys, is you don't want to create a, I'm going to look over my shoulder for when I make a mistake. You don't want to create that. 
But what you want to do is you want them to perform at a high level and you want to sit here and say, you know, you know, take our, our bowl game, you know, uh, unfortunately, Actually, Noah Tumbler didn't have a great bowl game. You know, he got beat on a couple 50-50 balls where if maybe he leans a little bit this way or gets his hands up a little bit this way, you know, and, you know, Coach Tumbler's like, get him out, put Branch in. Next thing you know, Branch plays lights out that game. And Noah didn't play great, but he it wasn't like he did anything wrong. It's just, you know, it was a great thrown ball and a great, you know, that receiver went up and caught the ball. That's part of playing a defensive back. You have to have, to have a short-term memory loss, meaning like, hey, Gave up a touchdown. So what? Let's move on to the next play, you know, and then me as a coordinator helping give them confidence by saying, hey, we didn't get home on that blitz either. Or, hey, we got to do a better job of rushing the passer to give that guy less time. But you don't want them looking over their shoulders. What you want them to do is raise their level of performance. And if they're not raising their level of performance, then maybe, maybe then that guy behind you should be a starter because he's raised his level of performance. Now it's up to you. And some people, some people, uh, and I've been around a lot of different guys in my career coaching, is they like to be they have the underdog role. They don't like to be the starter. So you have guys that maybe are starters and guys that really come off the bench and, and you know, just a little bit of a different personality, like a little bit less pressure on me, but I'm going to come in and still ball out and make a couple plays. And then they end up maybe playing a little bit more snaps during the game because they end up playing well in it. And then you just keep rotating and trying to find that perfect combination. And again, I go back to, you know, there hasn't been one, you know, I've been here for this going my third season and the two seasons I've been there before we've had some guys get banged up. And, you know, I, I love the, how hard our kids play. I love how they're um, relentless with their pursuit and throw their body in everything. And so that's, they're, they're bound to get banged up a little bit. And so I, I want to keep playing that way and continue to create depth if we can. Coach Hoke mentioned at the end of spring camp that uh, Avenger and Branch are expected to be full go by the time fall camp. Is that still still the plan? A hundred percent. They're full go right now. Everything's a hundred percent good with them. So la- last couple of questions. Um, could you just talk a little bit more about the, the cornerbacks um, and, and how they progressed? I mean, I know coaches talked about those 50-50 balls being more aggressive, but it seems that might be pretty difficult to simulate um, sure. with the pressure of the game and stuff like that. So how have they done over the summer and how are they looking? Um, because it is one of the question marks um, sure. that people from the outside are looking at the team and, and wondering about. Sure. And, 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 and to, to take you through the coaching element of it, you know, first of all, you have to put a kid in position to understand where your body is. Number two, you have to give them the confidence that when that ball's in the air, that I'm in a proper position to go make that play. And then finally, the last thing you need to do is just like anything, forget about it. Good, bad, or indifferent. Forget about it. If you made a play on it, forget about it because they're going to come at you again. And if you made it, if you didn't make the play, really expect them to come at you again. But it's just, it's winning at the line of scrimmage, you know, and so much of that is what people don't see. But again, I'm also going to go back to, you know, the one comment you make, Paul, and, and you're just doing exactly your job. You're saying, you know, that's a point of concern. Well, did anybody think of Cam Thomas, Keyshawn Banks, Jonah Tavai, or Kate McDonald, who were probably rushing on that play that they didn't get home? But no, it's always, you know, the secondary guy that didn't make the play. It's not the uh, 10 other players that, that didn't maybe do their job. And this is the only guy that got picked on in a way so that's the one thing is like hey don't give me a woe is me hey we're all in this together but let's win at the line of scrimmage because if you win at the line of scrimmage some of those 50 50 balls they're going to be released fast so if we can win at the line of scrimmage with square shoulders 
And then, you know, countering that, getting yourself into a position. And I really believe, again, not trying to get fined here or anything like that. It is hard to play cornerback in college, NFL, or anything. You know, if you're if you're too handsy and you're not looking back, you can get a pass interference. And so the last thing they want to do is get a pass interference or this, you know, so now they're, you know, so there's a lot of things going on, but it's putting them, like you're saying, Paul, putting them in position and train them and train them and train them to where they have the confidence that once that ball's in the air, you're no longer a defensive back. Go be the receiver and go up and attack that ball. And there was a play last year. Oh my gosh, it, it broke me. I think it was against Fresno where Dallas Branch went out there and played it well, 50-50 ball, and the receiver just came over top of him and made the catch. And Dallas played it as perfect as he could, but instead of going up and attacking it, he was letting the ball come to him and the receiver came over and caught it. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, Coach Sumler, what are we doing? And he's like, uh, 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 you know, I don't know. You know, and no one has an answer for it then. Right, it's right. easy. It's easy for me. Like, what are you doing? You know, to, to be the idiot that says that, like, what, why, why, why are we giving that up? But the reality is, is them having confidence and part of it's like, hey, maybe press a little bit more or maybe, hey, play off a little bit or maybe play cover two and change some coverages up a little bit uh, in some situations like that. And then it ends up being the safeties that have to go over and be able to play a high point, depending on what the coverage is. But uh, it's a it's an everyday in practice, part of our fundamentals and stuff. And, you know, again, if you sat here and said, hey, Coach Summer, what are you working on this summer? And what did you you know focus in on? Hey, hey, we're grabbing NFL tapes and you're sitting here watching some of the top NFL corners in the, all of the uh, NFL same things happening to them. So you're showing those kids, hey, this happens. This guy's getting paid $100 million a year, and, and it happens to them. So what, what am I going back to? Let's look at what happened to him. He lost at the line of scrimmage, or his eyes were bad, or he you know didn't wedge and didn't ride him out and, you know, and so on and so forth. There's always little uh, technical things that you can get cleaned up. But again, it goes back to the same thing. Have that confidence that you deserve to be there and then go up and try to attack that ball to your best ability. Yeah. And I think it's a question mark probably as a compliment to Taylor Hawkins more than anything else, just like the year before when everyone was going, okay, Hall's leaving. Can somebody replace him? It's not because Hawk hadn't played well. It was just that high level um, that that they leave behind. But last question um, there, there's a lot of talent coming into the secondary Uh, Max Garrison, Eric Butler, Chris Johnson, Josh Hunter, very impressive high school players. I mean, the, the schools that they said no to, to say yes to San Diego State or who's who of college football. What does a young player have to do to be able to get into the mix with, with all of these players at any position, but sure. you know, specifically the secondary? First of all, it's knowledge. Okay. And that's, and I think that goes with anything, knowing how to do your job. And that's part of our, one of our philosophies defensively is actually number one, know what to do and how to do it. Okay, so first of all, it's knowledge as far as knowing what you're doing. And and we do play multiple coverages We're you know, it looks maybe like we're playing a lot of man or, you know, this or that. Hey, we're going to do a lot of different things. And it's, you know, we talk about all the time. How can I give, you know, Pat McMorris a break without giving him a break? Well, let's put him in the middle of field display. And so we're going to schematically, what can I do to a corner who's playing man to man on this really fast receiver, you know, for 10 plays in a row, let's go cover two. We're now he's going to reroute and then sort of sell in the flat. So how can we take breaks off of those guys? So know what to do, how to do it. And then I'd say the second thing is you're exactly right, Paul. I was out watching the, um, 
you know, the run this morning, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, these guys are fitting in well, they look good, they're running well, I'm excited and this and that. But it's, it, again, it goes back to when they're given that opportunity. And again, I go back to that's one thing Coach Hope's going to do. We're going to go ones, twos, threes, and fours. You know, we're going to give those guys their snaps. And then at some point, he's going to say, okay, uh, some of our upperclassmen, uh, you know, you've gotten enough reps. Uh, you know, you've earned that 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 playing time. Well, let's scrimmage or let's play some of the threes and fours and sort of see what they're out. And then as a coach, we're going to try to limit that and make that as, as easy as we can so that they can really go out and per- perform and show, hey, this is what I can do. But no matter what, Paul, you can't take that limited menu into a game against Fresno State and Coach Tedford and Jacob Hayner and just be like, hey, this is what we're going to play, one coverage. So it goes back to really knowing what you're doing and being able to play at a high level. And I think all those guys, that go, go back to Noah Avenger. I mean, he was different when he stepped on the field last fall. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to play for us. And he did. And he did it. And he started out as a three. And he worked his way up and made plays. And, and that's the biggest thing. I look at like a guy like Josh Hunter, and we literally recruited him with uh, Tariq Thompson's film. They're both 14. They both wore the same jersey in high school. Tariq started as a, and again, I wasn't here, but he started as a true freshman from St. Augustine's High School. And, you know, that could be Josh Hunter. I mean, he could be come in, come in and beat Barfield out. You know, so it's like, you know, that's part of it. Like, we're not going to sit here and say, hey, this is going to happen. But we're also going to sit here and say, hey, part of our job is to prepare you to be the best you can be and, you know, uh, and so on and so forth. And if you're the best player, you're going to play. That's always been Coach Hoke's rule. We're not. We never come in and say, hey, we're going to redshirt. Now, if there's an injury and they're not going to be physically ready to go, hey, maybe that's the, the direction we go. But, hey, we tell everyone, you better be in shape because we're counting on you to be a performer. And then at that point, if you don't know what you're doing, if you're not learning the system well and so on and so forth, we'll make that decision. But they still get four games. And we're going to what what is those four games? They provide experience. They provide atmosphere and learning how to play in big time games. And so we're going to try to utilize that. Coach Deacon will utilize that. And maybe, you know, just like Brady Anderson, he was a guy that was not in the two deep at all at line backer last year with the guys we had coming back. But you know what? He ran down the field with a passion and a purpose. And now Coach Deke's like, we're going to play this guy because he's going to do some great stuff for us as special teams. Again, I didn't really say Brady Anderson's name in the linebacker. And I love Brady. But you know what? He's going to be a starter again on some of those teams. And then when my that, that this group of three linebackers leaves, you know, and so on and so forth, he'll have a role but it's right now, it's just probably going to be special teams again. And again, learning your role, taking it in. But when you have that group, a good group of players, you know, they're going to get their opportunities and sort of see what they can do with it. And again, us putting them in the best situation. Last year, a couple of times, we moved Noah Avenger into a safety position to cover uh, a, a slot receiver. And so you almost went like a nickel corner, like you do in some of the NFL games. Is he a nickel safety or a nickel corner? Well, for us, it was like a nickel corner and because you brought another corner on the field. And so, again, it's a matchup purposes. So there might be some situational defense where we're like, hey, Eric Butler, who played corner a lot, also played safety, can maybe be in a position to do this or do that from that standpoint. Coach, have you scoped out your uh, spot in the coach's box at the new stadium yet? I have not. I purposely, again, I've been very blessed and fortunate to be at some great venues, whether it be at Notre Dame or Michigan or 
Ohio State, mostly Midwest games and venues, uh, played it, uh, coached at Clemson. I love, or UNLV, that was a great setting, but I love a high press box. And I don't think it's going to be the same. Um, you know, those are just so much easier to see and you see the big picture stuff. Um, the venue and uh, the height of the press box at, um, gosh, last year's stadium, it was it was a little, I don't think they had the mindset as far as, hey, you know, coaches being able to see it, you know, in the COVID year. Uh, I remember at one point I was so mad and I was yelling out of the press box. And since no one was in the stands, the players were like, Hey, coach Maddox, we heard you. Can you not be telling them, you know, what's going on? So uh, I think it's going to be a little bit lower, more like maybe Chicago bears setting and stuff. Uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to that atmosphere. Again, you know, the work that uh, uh, Mr. Wicker JD did and community of San Diego buying into the vision that we have, you know, uh, the direction that, that, that that's having and, you know, all the people involved with that, I I, I can't wait uh, for our players. Obviously, uh, they, they've – I wanted to co- coach in Qualcomm just from the legacy and the tradition of that stadium, you know, from afar. Uh, but the players and some of the other coaches were like, nah, you're good, you know. <laughs> Let's wait for Snapdragon and all that other stuff. So, but I, I can't wait. We can't wait either. Coach, thank you, always, as always, for your time. It was uh... – Great uh, picking your brain about the defense, and uh, we can't wait to see the first game on September 3rd. Awesome. You guys have a great night. And again, I, I know we try to do this, and I I'm, I don't want you to think that you guys do an amazing job covering our players. Uh, you do a great job of giving them an opportunity for a voice and helping them uh, you know, grow as players and helping their brand. Uh, so we thank you guys for all your commitment to our program. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Have a good night, guys. That was part two of our interview with Coach Maddox, uh, where we talked about the safeties and the cornerbacks and how those they are looking uh, heading into the start of the season. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. As I said earlier, that is a culmination of our season preview series that not only included articles on each of the position groups, but uh, interviews with the three def- the three coordinators on the team, the offensive coordinator, Jeff Eklinski, uh, special teams coordinator, Doug Deacon, and also, obviously, Coach Maddox, defensive coordinator. Um, We are, you know, almost two weeks away from the start of the season, so hopefully our season preview series gave you uh, a lot of information about what the units are looking for, uh, who's going to be starting, who's going to have a big presence off off the bench as a backup, and who are some young guys that may may not get their shot this year, but will definitely play a big part on the team next year and moving forward. Thanks again for listening. Please like, subscribe, share, comment on all your favorite platforms, and we'll talk to you next time. You are listening to the SDSU Football Podcast, presented by the East Village Times with your hosts, Andre Hagverdian and Paul Garrison.